This is Power 102 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. We have a news brief coming up at 8. All right, and welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show. Quickly, let's take a look what's happening traffic-wise going through from uh, through South Orapuchi. We've got some traffic there this morning in South Trinidad. All right, Golaconda Connector Road. Yeah, I got some traffic there for sure. Taruba uh, Link Road. If you want to exit, if you're southbound, exit the highway, you got some traffic. And of course, from that roundabout there by Toyota towards Marabella, also got some traffic. Yeah, all right. Let's move up north, see what's going on. St. Margaret's Village, you've got some traffic. Rivulet Road, extremely heavy. You head towards Hoover and Point Lisa's, and then from Sugar Guanas the interchange also a bit heavy southern main road approaching chinchin road chinchin road has also got some traffic um and uh, monroe road also got some traffic going through st helena and kelly village Carony to curep also got some traffic there this morning and of course from maloney towards huey and then valentina port of spain i got an accident i'm seeing here oh boy Yeah, westbound Churchill Roosevelt Highway. Uh, where, boy? How about the vicinity of Courts? We got an accident westbound, all right? That's causing a bit of uh, delays, of course, just by Zilbas. This is where you'll pick up the truck. Good up, lady on road from Mobile Junction, coming on Lua Santa Cruz to what San Juan also. And out of Diego, out of Maraval, Mocha, and out of the west from Bisho, you've got some traffic, all right? That's a quick traffic update for you. All right. All right, so let's, uh, let me get my guest online. By the time Richard will give you the results of our morning polls. Let me no, wheel this morning. Okay, I'm gonna wheel and come again. Should the police officer should the police officer in the viral video with a traffic warden be fired? We had 23 people voting in the allotted time this morning. Of the 23, 19 of you said yes, he should be fired. Four of you said no, he should not. How much said yes? Maybe demotion, maybe suspension, etc. But you didn't think that he should be fired for the incident. 
19 of you said yes he should be so that's our poll result at this point of course this poll continues to stay up and you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day throughout programming and we'll give you the final result tomorrow morning wednesday which will be midweek and of course the first day of february mm-hmm. how much is that said yes 19. 19, okay. 19 said yes, 4 said no. All right, so let's get Dorothy in. in. Thank you, Dorothy. Um, and Pastor Dutton, good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning. Pretty all right. Yes. Pretty all right. Okay, so you're good. Yes, I, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> Every day you have to fight in this country. Right. You see bandits getting millions of dollars. You have to fight. Oh, boy. What bandits got millions of dollars? The nine, the nine guys. Why are you calling them bandits? Huh? Why are you because calling them bandits? I believe that's what they are. <laughs> well, the court of law freed them. So how are they bandits? Well, I am saying they are bandits. Okay, all right. Well, that's different. So you, you are... Good morning. How are you, sir? Happy New Year. Let me start yeah, with same this to you, Same to you, my friend. Same to you. Yeah. Um, a quarter of law freed them. Well, I agree. I agree this morning with Israel Khan. He said this is just simply preposterous. And I'm seeing another comment here, and I, 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 I hope I am right on this one, but the, that the defense, there was an issue with the defense that needed to be addressed, and I agree with him. I mean, if that is so, heads must roll. Because there's one thing to have, I mean, I have gone on record as saying they are protected assassins in the country. And guys who are engaged in killing and are being protected and I will give you one example of that when I had to intervene in a case. And it's all related to the topic of crime. When I went to intervene in a case of a young mother who was with a drug dealer and wanted to come out, I went to a particular station and I reported this where the police were trying to encourage me to get the girl to stay with the guy. By the way, this drug dealer had beaten her with a cutlass. Hmm. And, after, and and then he was protected by both a police and a soldier. So you see why the, the, the murder rate has to escalate and why we're in the quagmire that we're in. I, you have, uh, I don't know if you joined the group, but you, I saw you at, at uh, information put it into your, you part of a, an amalgam of persons. I saw Peter George, yourself, uh, I think Mr. Mr. Hammond Smith. T- tell us about that, that group. Well, they had one meeting and I have not been, com- um, I, I, I have to ask a question about because there, there's been one meeting and I, heard, I haven't heard from them since. So I hope very, I mean, I hope very quickly that we could meet. But I have also st- I also have an umbrella group whereby called Hard Touch Ministries and we are looking at every aspect of crime now. We had launched when we had the march on December the 11th against the assassins. So this is my emphasis. 
because if we want to fight crime and reduce the murder rate, we can have people who are protected. There, there's a case that I have been fighting to in Maruga, where a husband and wife were killed. And I don't think that case has gone very far. Although the, 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 the witness to that case told me, and I can only tell you what he told me, that he gave 32 pages in a witness statement. He was the guard for the couple. And when he said the, the guy came in at 5, 440, sorry, on July the 15th, I mean, he said, when I saw the AR-15s they had, I, I, he said, I ran. I'm telling you, I ran. But I made out who the, the killers were. And both husband and wife were slaughtered in their kitchen. The girl was in a wheelchair because she was shot and killed in March. She had a case before the court. I mean, I have to mention that. But the point is, these are people and there are people all over the country being executed in broad daylight. And I'm saying it would never have reached that way if we had a higher level of honesty and integrity and come to the issue of values here. I conducted that funeral. It was a very sad thing. You know, the, 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 the husband's family and the girl's family, they were in a state of grief. And you know, Paul, I have called for a national grief campaign, you know, which I think the government has to take into consideration. You have a big Why do you think we got to 600 murders last year? What, what was... What was different about last year that we crossed 600 murders? I mean, not that, not that 5.30 is much better to me or no, anybody no, no, else. not much better, yes. But, well, I'll tell you a number of things. Uh, the issue of, uh, let's deal firstly with family life. I mean, for this month, we have had a record-breaking month tour, so we keep breaking records. You must be using Bowles family, but we keep breaking records. So there's the issue of the family. There's a critical breakdown in the family. My church group is looking at it not just at a national level, but at a regional level. Because you have St. Lucia on the Wings Tour, and you have the Virgin Islands that come under our jurisdiction of the Wings Tour. And you, you have a continuing collapse of the family. Just, just yesterday, I'll give you an example of that. A mother and an aunt called me. The guy is an alcohol and marijuana, and I'm seeing that combination hitting hard, hard, hard. I don't come to the drug trade just now. But she says the guy is totally, I mean, I mean, out of control. A criminologist recommended, you know, me that I should intervene in the case. So I told her, yes, I will intervene in the case. But I also told her that the guy who threatened his mother and started throwing web, um, missiles at them, um, that has to be reported to the police, and the police can't take because they reported to the police, and the police didn't do anything much. This is in central Trinidad. And I told them that that has to be reported because he has threatened them, he has assaulted them, and therefore that has to be reported, and the police have to move with that case expeditiously. So you have the issue of law enforcement, all right? In some cases, poor law enforcement. Perhaps the police were busy trying to get suspects in murder cases that did have time for other cases. And then you have the need for judicial reform. Right now, I'm working with a case with a Roman Catholic teacher who has been threatened by her marijuana smoking son. That case went before the court and the magistrate in the court 
gave the guy who was threatening his mother, who wants to burn down the house. And there's a guy in the media too, I should tell you, an active journalist whose son is behaving the same way. All right? And there seems to be a very poor response for, from our, our security institutions in these cases. So that we have to look at clearly judicial reform in, in, in a big way. And then you have to look at the performance of our security institutions. All right? There's a lot that has to be done there. So I, I, I believe that there are a number of, of, of situations there that require urgent attention. And well, the security, course, when, you say this, when you say there's a lot of work to be done in our army, security police, institutions, what do you mean? Police, uh, army, soldiers, prison service. All of them. I know, all but what, what, what kind of, of work you need think needs to be done? Well, what has to be done is we have to confront the issues of, you know, re response time. We have to look at the issue of those who are involved in, in you know, in, in things like the drug trade and uh, are supporting certain gang leaders. We have to look at that. We have to look at the killers behind prison bars. There's a case in Mova in Amon Drive. And I interviewed the family when the guy was shot and killed. Abner Hector asked me to intervene one night, and I went up there. And the guys, all of them have told me there's a strong borderline. And that's the next thing we have to discuss, sir. That is your borderlines in these communities. The guy was under pressure. Um, his name was called in, a, I, I think, a, a particular act of crime. And they told me, I tell you, you know what, these are the guys on the ground have told me that the guy in prison, you know, so much for the jammers, the guy in prison has called shots on 16 people already, and this guy who was killed as he crossed the borderline, you know, I, I, mean, I mean to say, he, he, he didn't leave the house 10 minutes and he was shot and killed. And a lot of these cases are not anonymous cases, you know. A lot of these cases are specific cases, and the community knows about them. Many well, I mean, what you, what you are representing there, Pastor Dutton, is the issue of gang warfare and gang territorial reach and, and what their borders are, which is not a unique thing to Trinidad Tobago. It happens wherever there is gangs. Gangs draw borders and draws lines. But this issue of gang warfare, this issue of police or security services and, and whatever corrupt elements, etc., are in, in them, the issue of um, um, being complicit with criminals. These are not new issues that you're echoing. These are issue, issues that have been articulated, I want to say safely, for the last 10, maybe 15 years or more. And yet, and, we are still and, in, uh, yet, yet we are still in and, a bad place in 2023. What do you think accounts add, for that? And, and let us add, all right, that it is getting worse by the minute. And let me say this. The minute we get, I, I was it Martin Daly or someone said recently, we are not serious about dealing with this issue. We, we want to wish away the issue. I heard something recently from a former police commissioner. He says, no matter who you put there, you're going to have this situation until we, the citizens, all right, have um, changed our method of thinking. Now, that, that sounds rather philosophical. But the point is, there's an absence of courage to deal with the gangs, and the gangs are overtaking the country. And therefore, I mentioned five areas, because the division in the politics is so rotten that as you make a statement, fellas, yeah, but you're taking a side, you're taking a side, yeah, 
you're dealing with the government, but the government is in power right now, right? So, what are you saying that the TGPS is afraid of the gangs? I believe in some instances, yes. Because, by the way, the guys are not. If if you saw the killing in Maruga, it's about five houses away from the police station. All right, they were nowhere wrong, and it was well. It was established in the village of St. Mary's there that the guys were coming to wipe out the whole family. Three weeks before it happened, I had known that. I had gone on there in the night. We were risking our lives going on there to the family, and, and it was well known. So if these things are well known and the information is there and the information is carried, all right, come, come on. And, that, and then the mother told me she had gone for a particular document the morning in which her daughter was shot and killed, and she was traumatized, so she's not in the country right now. But, but that, 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 that is where we are. So there's a combination of several factors, not leaving out the drug trader that is expanding. Now, recently, someone on the media, on a popular media program, quoted that in terms of the marijuana, we have... They, they feel it's one in five or one out of every seven persons using, whether that is so or not. But I could tell you, all the cases I've had for the month of January, all of the cases involve marijuana and alcohol and then cocaine as the third choice. But but the, 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 the drug trade is moving almost like if we don't have, you know, security services. I mean, it's expanding like that. And let me tell you one reason for the moderator. I intervened in a case in December in Valencia. So I, I tell people what we have in the country, and I'm naming it as mafia number one and mafia number two in terms of money laundering and grabbing of land and seizing of land. So you have ma- mafia number one with the money to purchase a set of land when they think it would become valuable because of development. And that's part of the whole money laundering thing through land. And then you have mafia number two, which happens to be the squatters now in Valencia, which is a significant hotspot in the country now. If you look at the last three years and see the number of murders there, it shouldn't be shocking. But there's a guy who came to me whose father died and he has a house and the father had a house in Valencia and they were accustomed passing through the yard and you wanted to stop that. And and, and and the squatters told them, listen, we have a lot of skulls under our belt, you know, using Apache language. And therefore, we're not afraid to take you out. Now, he has reported this. He's trying to get a, a firearm license, if you please, to defend himself. But what I'm saying is the guys had no problem telling him, all right, that they will take him out. So that what you have, and I, I hope I'm not sounding like an extremist, but what we have here is the bandits believe they are winning the battle against the state, all right? And they're not holding back whatsoever. So I personally am not surprised about what has happened in January with the murder rate. And we know what has to be done. If you have institutions, you have to use them and develop them and fine-tune them. But they have to operate in a way that will put fear in the hearts of the bandits too because they feel they are totally large and in charge. So in terms let, me come of, to, let me come to the schools. Let me come to the schools. Let me say a word about the schools. All right? The recruitment in the schools, I believe, if I were Minister of National Security and Minister of Education, I would take very seriously the issue of young drug dealers in the school population. That accounts for some of the gang fights in the schools, too. This is a rotten, expanding 
cancerous tumor in our school system, in, uh, particularly our secondary schools. It is a very, very significant. I mean, principals have spoken to me. I addressed an administrative education body in the central zone last week. All right. So I am saying that has to be looked at. The gang leaders are showing us how to train young people and put a negative vision in their hearts to hate and have them use in killing individuals and putting the this, this school population under pressure and, and, and spreading their, their, their drugs and whatever else they have to spread into society. One principal in the East West Corridor, I went to the school to address students and he said, Pastor, half a mile from here, there's another secondary school and the principal told him, that is principal talking to principal, that the young people, there was a young guy who was pushing drugs and he's recruiting guys from his school. So drug dealer from X school is recruiting guys from Y secondary school. And these are firmly established secondary schools in the country. So we could either decide to be in denial and not do anything and hope it will suddenly, the moderate will suddenly go down or take action where action should be taken. And I'm saying if I know these things, those in authority must know also. So uh, uh, let, well, let's go through that premise that you're saying that those in authority must know. Because if principals know that there are serious issues like that, there should surely be some reporting mechanism, not only through the Ministry of Education, but through the TTPS, in trying to curtail that issue. But obviously that's not working. It's not um, working. It's not, it's not working. It is not that's working. That's obviously not working, according from what you're saying. So what do you think will work, what needs to happen to work? Well, I believe all of the other the social NGOs and situations need to come together to deal with these issues. When I presented the issues to administration of schools last week, some of the principals and some of them claimed they were shocked. In fact, some principals told me it could be happening in their school and they didn't even know. So that I believe we have to launch a, a, a public awareness on, 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 on some of these issues. Well, I understand from the Minister of Education um, they're launching a mediation program, or they launched it yesterday. I hope that works because other programs in the past have not been effectively managed at all. Um, the one before this one in Coover, the guys who were in charge told me the night before they didn't have the program organized properly. So I hope this one is organized properly, and I hope it meets the needs of the areas uh, that are significantly troubled. It's one thing to announce the rollout of a program, another thing to implement the program so it reaches the families that need to be reached. Okay, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this program is efficiently organized and touches the cases. I must tell you this, sir, one of the situations where you have a shrinking number of volunteers like myself is the issue of fear. Because whether, however the guns, and let's deal with it, well, well, once you have the drug trade, you have to have the gun trade. We have had several comments about the official ports, you know, corruption there and the guns coming in. But I must tell you, for every 40 guns they seize, there were 400 more guns could come in. So that we, we have got to look at that issue of sealing our ports off and doing something about holding those accountable who are permitting the guns, not just the drugs, because we don't produce cocaine here and you have a lot of cocaine in the country. But what I'm saying of, 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 of you know, sealing off the ports and wherever else to block the guns from coming in because you have a lot of guns in the hands of teenagers. And I don't think we have, with any gusto at a national level, you know, 
really dealt with this issue of the guns that are flowing in and the guns that come into the hands of our teen population. These are all issues, I mean, that especially the issue of guns coming into the country, the corruption, possible corruption at those areas and ports of entry that are allowing drugs and guns to come in, because you're right, there's drugs too. Um, but but we have known this for years, and, and that's what I'm trying to get to, Pastor Dutton, is we can talk, we talk a lot in Trinidad and Tobago, and everybody knows what the issues are on us. But on some level, we know what the issues are. And the citizenry, um, on one level, um, are pretty much victims in waiting or, or trying their best to, to navigate the circumstances of crime and criminality in TNT today. What needs to be done in a practical sense to, to, to deal with these issues, because seeing you have corruption on the port or seeing that guns coming into the hands of teenagers are just descriptive analysis of the problem. You're describing the problem, but how do we get to solving the problem? And, well, and I think know. that's what frustrates a lot of Trinidadians, the Begonians, yes, yes, yes. that the state, has well, had, the state has had money, the state has poured money, it still pours money into the Ministry of National Security and the Ministry of Education. Those are the two ministries that you have mentioned so far, and those are the two most resourced ministries in terms of the national budget. Well, I will say something that will sound very simplistic, but I have to say it. I think we need to have a, a, a campaign that revolves around a particular value called courage. I feel we have lost courage in this society, no matter what plan we come up with, unless we have the courage, we are not going to get very far with this thing. Now, some folks have spoken to me, and I wouldn't call their names, but it says they feel what we need in this country is some kind of military or benevolent dictatorship because the amount of problems that we haven't dealt with over the years and all have come, you know, they have come home and converged to a certain point where your population is definitely being decimated. But we have to get very, very serious. And let me tell you one of the areas that we have to watch at. Let me come to the police to clubs and the organizations like Sovol and them. That uh, Well, I think we have to decentralize my lat and my pat and all of those, huh? because they're doing a good job with a, with a relative, well, relatively few in contrast to the population out there. I am making, again, a clarion call for national service. But even before we get to national service, groups like Sovol, Police Youth Clubs like St. James Police Youth Club, Roxborough Youth Club, Superior Youth Club. I could call it a few of the, 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 the those who are doing an excellent job. We need to ex- put resources there. In other words, I am calling for more resources to be put in terms of prevention. All right? The other area we have to look at is the involvement of, you see an increasing number of women in gangs and being called. I, we, we have got to get, I, I feel Parliament has to look at the issue of mandatory rehab centers because all the rehab centers we have to rehab, people could walk out on a moment's notice and they don't have to stay and nothing happens after that. We had a, a critical case in my rehab center in Mutua recently, a guy from Faisabad, okay? And that, that is one of several cases. So I am saying we have to look at the institutional strengthening. We need to have more rehab centers for women 
We need to look at the issue of having mandatory rehab centers. We need to empower the groups with a track record, like some of the police clubs. Soval, for example, I am a Seventh-day Adventist, but Soval is an amazing Roman Catholic, you know, sponsored institution, and I'm supporting them a thousand percent. And we need to look at the area where we have dishonesty in institutions that are supposed to protect and serve and not protecting and serving, but protecting and serving the negative criminal elements. So you asked for what, what I think should be done, and I think that is where we should go. You talked about, you spoke to some people and they said, they talked about, um, uh, what is it? Uh, um, benevolent dictatorship? Or military is that what dictatorship, yes. Yeah, so the reason why people are saying that is because they're frustrated like hell. You know what I mean? The people, people do you, do you agree with that sentiment? I believe some element of the, where we are right now, let me tell you the two options of the country. Either the whole country turns to God, and I am not denying prayer. You know, some people call me the unholy pastor. Uh, I talk about structures and mechanisms, but I hardly mention about God and things. But I am saying enough people mentioning about God but not being involved in doing anything. So that if there's a spiritual revolution, an authentic spiritual revolution, it will definitely help. I, I'm putting that first. All right, that, that, that's one. But secondly, people are saying if that is not going to work, we have got to get to the level where, oh, I, I forgot to mention this. We're talking for years about national service and nothing is happening. Huh? So I am saying we have to get, if, if the rate of rich teenagers are being recruited, we have to have a proper, well-organized national service program. I am supporting that a million percent. Okay? The other uh, When you say are, national service, what is that construct in your mind? How is that? How does that play out, and how does that work within a society like, like Trinidad well, I and Tobago? I look at all right, fine. I look at what's happening in Barbados, for example. I am saying yes, there is a plural society, and there were difficulties when we tried to institute it the first time. But I'm saying we could learn from our errors and move forward. I am talking about young people being exposed to contributing to the community and taking the idle young people off the streets. And in whatever legislative reform has to happen with that, but getting them involved in constructive activities. Because you have a lot of young people, I, I, I don't want to mention this, but I went to Bagatelle there in, in Sarwood and I saw a lot of the young people smoking and this there. And there's a car cemetery not too far. You know, the car cemetery is where stolen cars are parked, you know. So that I am saying we have got to get a proper national service or whatever you wish to call it, where young people who are idle on the block, who are doing nothing, all right, are engaged or, should I use the word, compelled to be involved in, a, in, in this program. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of young people who are ripe for the picking by the gang leaders who continue to recruit them. And how are you compelling so citizens? Uh, how, how are you compelling citizens in that kind of framework within the parameters of our constitution? Well, I would say let the lawyers deal with that, okay? Because it's not the lawyers to deal with that, it's the legislators. Right, but, I, uh, but I'm, saying, I'm saying that that has to happen. That has to happen. And I would dare say that there has to be cooperation between the government and the opposition on some of these measures. Let me tell you something. My opinion, huh? my opinion, this nation is under siege. We are in a state of war. And I, I don't hear much people with the courage to say that, but I am saying it. We are in a state of war, and we can't do the same thing the same way and expect this, this same results. And I am saying we know what is to be done. Some of what I have mentioned has been mentioned in reports before and other things before, okay? But the crime will not just 
willingly and wishfully go away. It is not going away. It is getting worse. And we know the contributing factors and the time has come for us to get serious and deal with it. Do you think that Trinidad and Tobago is uh, an equitable society? No, it is not. Well, let's go, let's go with the economics now. And I want to tell pastors and very extreme religious people, we can't just be shouting God, 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 without analyzing and dealing with the issues. No, if you have more people being retrenched, okay? I have gone to homes where they don't know where the next meal is coming from. And some of those in very depressed areas. So while I know there's this debate about whether economics and deprivation causes criminal activity, but that is a fact. And the, the, the parliamentarians, both in the law house and upper house, must look at that issue. It's not about throwing some crumbs out to people there. There are many homes, scores of homes, and they don't know where the next meal will come from. Look at this crap iron business. And, I mean, we might not agree with all what they have said and the manner in which they have said it, but the truth is, when you take away bread from families, they are going to search in other places, especially they don't have a strong faith in God, to satisfy the needs of their families. All right? And that's just one example. The, the closure of Petrotrin, we are still suffering from that. No, no, no toys about that. When you look at certain areas where some of those workers came from, and you look at the increase in the criminality, but it's a reality. There, there are some religious people who want to blind themselves to it, and there are some party sycophantic supporters who want to blind their eyes to that. But that is a fact. It is not an equitable society, all right? It is not an equitable society. And I don't know if we have the will to push that kind of agenda in this society. And by the way, I should tell you this, sir, and this is a, when I go into those hotspots, the army of volunteers are shrinking because people are scared and they think you could be shot at a moment's notice. There have been a lot of home rob, you know, robberies and break-ins and what have you there. And, and we, we, we have to trust God as we go forward. Uh, to my, some of my colleagues in religion, I tell them, if we are promoters of the Bible and Paul and Silas and Moses and Daniel and all those guys, we have got to perhaps be in the forefront of this battle because uh, there's a spiritual bankruptcy that has hit our country. I'm making one last statement, gentlemen. When I was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living in Digo Martin and I'm not moving out of Digo Martin. And I, I went to a house where families called me. And there was a 15-year-old who, I mean, he, he was just abusing and assaulting his parents. Now, that, that is not happening in one home. And that guy, all right, is a member of my church. Okay? And I went there with Officer Shabadi. He was quite willing. And I, I said, God bless him. And we have, more, we have some more like that. But we need much more officers like that. There's a massive home visitation program that the church and when I say church, I mean churches together, including Hindus and Muslims and Baha'i and what have you, where we have to unite to engage in a significant home visitation program where you have all these crises. Well, you have There's so many churches, Mandir's temples, um, peppered throughout Trinidad and Tobago, and you have all manner of church denominations of the Christian faith. So we have no shortage of religion and a lot of people praying. None whatsoever. But None whatsoever. So, does, so, the, so does that really work? Because well, I am in 2023, that. we now, according to some statistics, are sixth in the world in terms of criminal activity. But we have no shortage of churches and prayer taking place. So maybe well, prayer is not the answer. Well, let, 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 let's go to work. Well, well, it's how we see prayer. Because you see, 
if we're just praying and doing nothing, now God is not pleased with that. And I, I believe I'm, I'm on sound theological ground by saying that. And um, Superintendent Alexander makes this statement all the time. And he's not the only one making that statement. When we pray, we're praying for power. So we have to use that power to address the social needs in the society. The salt of the earth, New Testament gospel, and the Good Samaritan gospel. Remember the priest and the Levi in the Good Samaritan story passed over on the other side. Jericho to Jerusalem was a distance of 18 miles, and I'm, I'm dealing with biblical stuff here. And there were gang groups. There was a niche for gangs right around the, those twisted roads. All right? And the Good Samaritan intervened. So what I am saying in religion, we need to have more Good Samaritans. I was a praying guy, and obviously he had a tremendous reputation because he told the guy, I pay you know, some money here, and if I owe any more, when I come back in the morning, I, w- I will complete that. So he had a reputation of helping guys who were wounded and using his own personal resources. You know? And I believe in terms of all religions, you know, the Good Samaritan model and the Golden Rule must come back into place. You see, we do have, sometimes we need to cry for more role models from the religious community also. We can't just be saying we have prayer service and we're praying, but we're not in the community and we're not moving the church from the pulpit in the, inside to outside. So while I am, uh, uh, let me get it right because, you know, folks will come at you. I am, I am not saying that churches are not doing, but we need many more to do and many more to unite to do because we're operating in silos, and that has to change. So in terms of the responsibility of the church, we have a major responsibility. We should see it as a divine appointed purpose that the church must have, and we must keep the focus. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but of course, there's a lot of prayer going on in the prisons too. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, would you uh, are you willing to take some calls, Pastor Dutton? Sure, sure, sure. So we, we can open up our lines at this point, 222-TALK, 222-8255. North Americans, of course, you can also weigh in on the conversation absolutely toll-free at 866-525-1099. Um, but everybody else, 222-TALK, 222-8255. We'll open up our lines now. Of course, we're speaking to Pastor Dutton, and we're talking about crime, criminality, and the issues that affect Good morning, Pastor Dutton. Do you think, and this is a question, because you're, you are a religious leader, I consider you a religious leader, sure. that sure. the religious entities are playing the kind of role they should play at the level they should be playing it in the society? No, I, I don't think all of us are playing the role that we should play. And, and I'll tell you why. Let me just pull my Bible, please. That's a particular text I think will not offend, will not offend uh, you, we, block your ears. I don't want your ears to burn. He's going to read the Bible. <laughs> you know, Matthew 5 talks about we are the light of the world. All right? Now, I am saying if we are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men. So that I am saying we have to do more light shining in the dark communities. In other words, we need to befriend the young people. You know, I, there's a girl I want to call her name in, in Mova. She is an, one of my absolute phenomenal workers. Her name is Makita Parks. And she goes to gangsters and she appeals to them. And she's had some limited success, but she still makes the 
effort she asked me for a recommendation this morning. Then I have Kit Modest in Five Rivers. Kit Stewart who manages the our rehab center. And I could Terry George from prison ministry. No, I, I am I Well am I'm glad you mentioned people like that. But I'm talking about religious leaders who tend and I'm being very sick circumspect by saying this. Yeah. To stay in their ivory towers and and judge as opposed to going on the ground like the people you described there. Right. And I'm saying that is a reality. It's a harsh reality you, you mentioned there, Paul. And we definitely have to change that mindset among our religious leaders. And, and by the way, the prosperity gospel hasn't helped us. Huh? In fact, it has decreased our credibility. And that may offend some individuals, but you are quite right on that. You are absolutely right on that. Right, I had a yeah. police tell me, say, Pastor, I was living next to some very religious people, and they set me such a poor example. In fact, they didn't even reach out to me. He says they played no role in my life. You know, and I, I, I didn't doubt him whatsoever. So that we in religion, we, we, to my mind, we, every church should be a role model manufacturing center. And when I say role model, not just talking about living straight, but helping our youth who are confused, who are parentless. There are a lot of young people, you'll be shocked, growing up in loveless, godless homes. Last week, a couple came to me. They're on the brink of divorce because of alcohol and marijuana by the guy. And the guy was just, I could tell that guy became a son in my hand, you know. And he wants to save his marriage. He wants to stop the alcohol. He wants to stop the marijuana. He will have to go into a rehab center or rehab center very shortly. And by the way, the rehab centers are struggling. Huh? I could tell you this. And so the state has got to become more sensitive and look at, you know, the issue of helping some of these rehab centers because many of them are independent. You know what I mean? And that, 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 and I speak from loads of experience here. You know, in terms of that. All right, so Pastor, we do we do have a, a call online for a uh, yeah, while sure, now, sure, so let's sure, take this sure. call. Good morning, caller. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, um, Pastor Coffee. Um, good, good morning. Pastor Dotted. 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 Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I have listened to what you have said. Um, partly agree with you. I'm, I'm just going to give my assessment of what you said. Oh, my sure. assessment. And if you agree with me, you could say um, so, right? But basically, I, from my understanding, there's one common factor. Um, in relation to crime, and you have mentioned it on repeatedly this morning, and that has to be with drug use, right? And the and the um, disability within the family home, and then there's a, a powerful combination. But the role of the police is to detect, apprehend, right? And not really solve that issue in the psychological part of individuals and how they are seem to be attracted to the, the gangs and getting involved in it, right? I would like to know, from that aspect, have you um, seek the assistance of other NGOs and professionals in terms of assisting these individuals themselves in terms of reforming? Yes, right. I, I, I'm in touch with seven. I, I'm in touch with seven NGOs right oh, now. Oh, oh, the, in, yes, and, and thank you, caller. So volunteering. Yeah, I, I'm involved in several institutions. I, regardless of religion and what have you there, or race. Yes, I've been involved with several. And we need much more of that. We need much more of that in the society. Okay, and I think that, that, that what you have touched there 
is the way forward in terms of if we have to solve the challenges. Okay. And of course, the media, Paul and Steve, <laughs> the media has a positive role to play here on our culture, cultural icons. You know, our Calypsonians, for example, you know, they have a, a very positive role to play. In other words, everybody has a role to play. And everybody should see it as, you know, as we go into a, an emergency in the society to rescue our young people. And, and, and it should hurt us, all of us, church, business, politics, everybody. It should hurt us to see the amount of young people that we are losing. Why do you think as a country we've produced such... I'm saying this, this is my opinion, disconnected politicians. Because, I think Richard said it well in his speech, you know, when he was president of the country. We think of winning the next election rather than saving the next generation. I think our priorities are totally confused, all right? And we are putting emphasis on what is good for me. The materialism has hurt us too. If you check from the oil boom coming right down, the materialism has hurt us big time. So it's back, you're back to values and you're back to the family. Let me tell you something. I have met some young killers, right, behind prison bars and outside of prison bars. And a lot of them have no concern for people whatsoever, you know. And a lot of them are broken young people. I think we have got to make the issue of brokenness among the youth population, put it first on the agenda. It is way, way, way too low down. And we, we think by threatening them, it will suddenly change, you know, and that, that, is a, that is a mistake we are making. I feel a lot of young people are growing up in loveless and godless homes. In fact, some of them don't grow up with any parents whatsoever. So, by the way, the most prominent father in the country right now is a young leader. He adopting left, right, front and center and they owe their allegiance to him. I begged a guy recently here, a young bandit who the, the parents realized he was into the gun business. And we went with a police officer to the home. And I mean, the, the guy, his, his loyalty to the gang leader was phenomenal. He didn't care about his parents. He didn't care one iota about his parents. But the issue of loyalty to the, the, the person who taking care of him and who controlled him. And he told me straight at age 15, he said, I am afraid to death. If I have to death, I know I have to death. I know I have to death. I have to death. <laughs> so that I, I think... We have missed the boat with proper mentorship of our young people, especially in homes that are broken. There's a culture of brokenness that has to be related to if we have to save the nation by saving the youth. Because you can't save the nation without saving the youth. And that, you that you worked fact. with the Police Service Commission for a while. Is that so I remember correctly? If I remember, that's 2006 correct? 2006 to 2009, yes. What is it about the training protocol in barracks that is not either identifying people who should not be part of the police service or not training of some officers in a way that they understand they are of service and not to brutalize popula the population because i'm sure you saw the video of the officer and oh, the lord, oh lord I, I, I'm, I'm glad you and, and there's there's something about that system that is not identifying persons who are ill-suited or not training that tendency out of them well i don't even know if we have a, a proper protocol we are the first thing we have to ask but the, the curriculum I, I think more should be there 
Well, you know, anybody could recommend you. So in the end, you don't get in the investment. Yeah, but don't you do a psychometric test to see if you're suitable? No, I'm not sure about the psychometric test. But we have to examine that, okay? What is happening with that test? And if because you know there, there there is the rumor, and I say rumor about gang leaders sending in guys inside there, you know, to be to occupy part of the police service. Now whether that is so or not, it calls for a lot of deep research. But but that is a strong rumor there. So that's number one. Number two, I think the curriculum needs revision in terms of if I should use a a very popular term overuse sometimes of moral and spiritual values. But the psychometric testing, I think, that has to be done consistently. All right? So that I, I, I think you have touched a very significant issue there, which I support 1,000%. But obviously, the entry point, you know, how we evaluate, do we have field officers, for example, in the communities of those who are applying to become members of the police service? I am not sure we have a connection with the community and have effective field officers who are assessing those who have indicated that they want to become members of the police service. Vital, vital, vital. And those are significant issues that we have to adopt in going forward. You know, if we hope to go forward and not just wish the problem away. Okay. Pastor, thanks for being with us this morning. I appreciate your time. It was a pleasure. Usual. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. God bless. God bless. All right. Bless. Pastor Clive Dotton, thank you Recording so much. All the best stopped. to you. God bless. Take care. We'll chat soon. All right. Uh, just 30 seconds before we head into our uh, news brief at 8. I don't know. I'm not sure that I would like to see how many people apply and how many are rejected from being uh, uh accepted into a police training college. Past having a, a criminal record and, you know, past that master, but in terms of suitability mentally, psychologically, and, and whether they're doing psychometric tests to see this person has the mindset to be a part of this police service to bring the kind of person they want, I would love to see that data. Do they do psychometric testing? I'm not even sure. Because you have so many recruits in any given pool or batch, as they call it. Um, I don't know if they have the capacity to do, to do all of that psychometric testing all the time for each group. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, gentlemen, it's I exactly... It's a requirement. I don't know if it's a requirement. It's exactly 8 o'clock. Let's get into our news brief on this the 31st day of January. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.